You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Welcome into Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. Julia Tusheri and Mike DeStefano with you with exciting news to announce in this Sahara Desert of a trade market that exists in the NHL currently. A trade has fallen, A.B., and a big one at that. A big trade in this economy. The trade, really, that people were looking forward to seeing fall uh, ahead of the trade deadline on March 3rd. Bo Horvat, a New York Islander? Ooh. Weird, right? Nice drop, boys. I like that. Yeah, it's, it definitely raises a little bit of an eyebrow. Like, I'm happy it happened at around, what time was it? Like 4, 3, 3? It was mid-afternoon. No, it, was, it was like, yeah, like 4, 30, 4, I had a whole workout so. to like mull it over, think about it, yeah. because it popped up on my timeline. Uh, of course, shout out to Lula Mariello, and we're going to have Darren Dreger on in the next 20 minutes to, to talk about this and how it came down and such, because I didn't hear a sniff of the New York Islanders until the no. trade was announced. There was no. talk of Boston. Uh, Boston was probably the sexiest one uh, that we kept hearing about. Everybody yeah, just Carolina, assumes Tampa Colorado. whenever there's a good yeah. piece available ahead of the trade deadline that, that Tampa's a, an option. But the New York Islanders, who are not even in a playoff spot well, right that's, now, who that's aren't that is. much better than the Vancouver. Think about me, yeah. Bo Horvat. He's like, oh, maybe I'll go to the beach. I'm going to go to a contender. He gets the call and he's like, all right, head to the island, buddy. you got to lead that team out of the dirt, yeah, too. Staten he's probably island. like, Jesus, my back is sore enough already from exactly. this whole experience. Yeah, I, it's it, it was a weird deal. I, di- I didn't really expect this. It really did come out of the blue. Like, I, It was a team that I wasn't on my radar. Like you said, we're looking at you know, teams that are that are one piece away and, and need maybe that, that second center to put them over the top. Yeah. The Carolinas, the Colorados, Bostons. And then all of a sudden, Lou Lamorello, uh, the silent man he is, gets this deal done pretty quick and efficiently. Um, you know, when, when I look at it, though, like, I don't hate it from a Canucks perspective. I've seen, you know, some mixed emotions on the deal. And obviously, when you trade away your captain and a guy who's having a career year, 30-goal season, um, in the midst of, of a career year at that, you, you know, I think a lot of people in Vancouver expected to, to get a lot. But what this tells me is is this looks like it's going to be a, a buyer's market. Like, there just simply wasn't a lot out there, I don't think, which could be telling for... You know, maybe it's it's good for some of these other clubs seeing what the market is now and yeah. realize, hey, maybe you know it's not going to be as expensive as we thought it would be to make some deals. Like they got a a pretty good haul, I think, all things considered, because the deal is Bo Horvat for Anthony Bavillier or Antonio, if you ask Patrick Alvin, the general manager. I think we'll play that audio in a second because oh, that's, that's hilarious. Um, Atu Ratu, who. You know, he's a really good prospect. Like, he's somebody who was, at once upon a time, like a projected number one overall pick pre-pandemic. And then just it, it didn't develop in, in his draft year. Yeah, and he ended had that up falling. really hard fall off in his 17-year-old year. Yeah, and then fell to, I think he got drafted 52nd overall. But then really found it again in his D-plus one year last season, um, operating at basically a point-per-game basis in the in the Finnish Elite League, in the, in the top men's league there. Came over to North America this season as a 20-year-old, has about a dozen NHL games, scored a couple goals, one of which against the Vancouver Canucks, funny enough. I think he's got about 15 or so points for, for Bridgeport in the American League. Um, so he's a good young prospect, a two-way center, and he's billed as you know maybe a middle six guy, but can top out as a top six, 
you know, responsible two-way center. And I think Craig Button referred to him as a Bo Horvat light, actually, funny enough. So I don't know if he's going to be a 30 to 35 goal scorer like Bo Horvat's turned out to be. But you get a decent young prospect that you can toy with and maybe turn into something that could be, uh, you know, a valuable piece to your core moving forward. But that first-round pick is interesting. Yeah. Because, as you noted, this is a team that is not in the playoffs right now. So there's pick protections on it. So it's a a top 12 protected pick. So if they finish in the top 12, the Islanders have a chance to keep that pick. But if they do, they surrender it unprotected next season. So there is an opportunity here where if, if this doesn't work out for the Islanders, they miss the playoffs, they elect to keep the pick, and then Bo Horvat leaves. Now they go into next season, and it's an aging core without their first-round pick unprotected because it's with Vancouver. And that could really be something for this team. And and that could make this trade have entirely new meaning. Yeah, that's so trying to pick a, a winner and a loser of a trade the day after it happens to me is impossible. Like, look how Tage Thompson has shaken out with the whole Ryan O'Reilly trade and everyone had already decided that the, the Blues had won that one long ago. So it's impossible to evaluate trades, especially ones like this when... You've got some younger pieces involved and a pick involved and, yeah. until you see it all shake out in hindsight. Well, look, but at you, this, look at this, how we tried to... A perfect example of this is how we all tried to look at the Ryan O'Reilly trade and automatically anointed the St. Louis Blues yeah. winners. Like, first year, yeah, they won. Second year, yeah, they won. But now look at what Tage Thompson's doing. Exactly. Right? Now look what that guy's doing. And you can't tell me that St. Louis, who lost last night because they couldn't score goals, wouldn't love to have themselves a Tage Thompson. Now, I'm not saying that Aturatu is going to become Tage Thompson. Yeah. I don't think that's a ceiling. Just do a little growing. And, but it's and just, it, it, it just goes to prove, like, hey, you know, you can't necessarily exactly equate a winner and a loser when it comes to trading for futures that, you know, a couple years down the line, things could change. And that could be the case here with Vancouver, depending on what happens with that pick and the development of Ratu. Canucks clearly believe that he could be a top six guy. And if that's the case, then I think that they're happy with the the deal that they made. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, Exhibit A, exactly, is that O'Reilly trade. This kind of feels like the... mm, I'm just thinking that this feels kind of like the perfect trade for what... Patrick Alvine and the Vancouver Canucks said that they wanted to do when they had to come out and do that whole press conference when they mm-hmm. uh, fired Bruce and, and hired Rick Tockett. Like, they said they don't want to do a full rebuild. They've been very adamant about that. But this does feel like the perfect retool, get a little younger, get some prospects in, injected. It, it does feel like a, a futures move, but not a full rebuild move. Like, yeah, it's, to my it, point, exactly what they said they were going to do. It is. It's a retool move. It's not full-fledged re- rebuild where they're trading for exclusively picks and probably... Like Anthony Pavillier, 25 years old. I think he topped out at 18 goals maybe a couple years ago. I think maybe he had a 20-goal season, but he's somebody who really struggling this year. He's got like nine goals this season so far. Um, you know, they, they want to try and build him back up to, to what he was, right? A yeah. former first-round pick. He hasn't really panned out like he. It looked like he may have, you know, when he was younger. He's uh, a middle young. six winger, you know, twenty five years old. Yeah, like you, you look at. Do I say that? Do I say still pretty young? Because I'm just. Because you're yeah. also basically twenty five. <laughs> I look at his age. I'm like, oh yeah, he's young, he's spry, spry yeah. spring spry, chicken. Yeah, I mean, he is. He's he's what the same age as, as Matthews and and Marner, yeah, about twenty five years old. We consider those guys to be young players with still a lot of runway left. So thank you for saying that. I think the 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 Canucks hope that they can. Build Bovillier back up, 
Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, this is a guy at 21, 22 years old that, you know, looked to be a 20 goal scorer, a perennial 20 goal scorer, bit of a power forward type of player. He's got good size. So, you know, he's a guy they're going to inject into that lineup. But the, the weird part is you look at that team, and this was talked about when they re signed Kuzmenko. They get a lot of money locked up in the wings. Mm-hmm. And Bavillier is under contract next year, too. At what four? Just a a little bit more than four million bucks. Yeah, like that's even more money that they're adding to the wing. Okay, and the other thing that I heard uh, Thomas Drance and Farhan bring up on on their VanCast podcast this morning, I mm-hmm. went to get a listen for the Vancouver perspective. Nice is that there's no guarantee that Ratu stays up the middle. Like he could potentially be based on be what what they were hearing from from scouts around the hockey world that yeah. some people see him as more of a winger so that that it wouldn't lend very helpful yeah. to the canucks in there yeah their and that, hap- like, that happens all the time right where someone's drafted as a center you try you try you try totally but it does but seem ultimately... like this move to me tells me that the vancouver canucks need him to be a centerman oh they 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 project him to be a yeah. center like they traded for him assuming this at best is our number two center going forward i think in their minds elias Pettersson, that's their number one Right, that's the guy that they're going to build around. I think Petey. even even yesterday, Patrick Alvin said our core is basically Pedersen and and Quinn Hughes, and like those two are going to be the guys that they're going to build around. There's one interesting Kuzmenko is also involved in, in in there as well. There's a one interesting name that maybe we can get to in a second that was omitted from that list. Yep. Uh, but I think you, like they're looking okay. Petey's our number one center, right? That's our guy going forward. If in the next couple of seasons, Atu Ratu can get to his ceiling and be a productive second-line center, then that's, that's, that's best-case scenario for them. And they are ecstatic if that happens. Yeah. And that's what they're hoping for, obviously. You don't make that trade and think, oh, yeah, well, you know, if he becomes a third-liner, cool. No, they, they are praying no, and hoping gotta be your second that he's line center, a right? second-line center and he, he gets to that ceiling. Right? So, yeah. oh, we'll see. Again, this is something that we'll have to find out you know, down the road, but... You know, what's interesting about this trade, I think, is now you look at it and, and are the are the trade winds blowing harder? Like, this kind of sets the market. I, I'd like to think it's the first domino to fall. I'd like to think that Bo Horvat was, I don't know, we said it was Jacob Chikrin for so long, and that guy never ends up getting no. traded. Hopefully this trade deadline will be his, his time to shine. But Bo Horvat and, and the Vancouver Canucks just kind of... Uh, not opening for business, but but everyone just kind of had them circled and Bo Horvat as as one of the biggest pieces at at the deadline. So seeing that fall hopefully gets things gets things moving here a little. Ab, I, I do want to play this Patrick Alvin audio though, talking about how he felt like the team got three first round picks. Yeah, this and, is a little much. And how they're looking at this trade from a Vancouver Canucks front office perspective because. Yeah, it was it was a little much to your point. So why don't we play that audio quickly here? Here's Patrick Alvin yesterday on the return that Vancouver got for their captain Bo Horvat. You know what? Uh, you could look at it that we got uh, actually three first rounders back here. Um, I think it was uh, important for us to get our first round pick back. Um, we got a young prospect in in Adorati. And again, we're getting a 25-year-old uh, young player in uh, Antonio, Antonio uh, Bovillier. <laughs> Antonio. He's a French guy. Butcher. Antoine, if you're going to do anything fancy there. Antoine Bovillier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Antonio Bovillier. Also, like, Atu. So it's pronounced, it's, it's pronounced Ratu. Yeah. This was it's, a it's lesson like I feel like that everyone ratty. who likes hockey last night was, yeah. was practicing. Yeah. A shout out. 
Thurad, who sent the email with his pronunciation to the entire TSN 1050 team. Yeah. Doing God's work last night as the Overdrive guys were on the air. Yeah. Fighting for their lives. Trying, trying to, to figure, figure out, out how to say Thurad to. And, and trying to muster up what they know about this player. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I think he's a nice prospect for them. And, and looking at it as three first-round picks is, is hilarious because that's it's not how you should look at it. It's extremely positive. Like, it's like me on a Monday after the Leafs are coming it, off a shot and I'm trying to look for a positive was a angle on something. Yeah, you're right. So maybe he was just uh, emulating our, our positive Monday vibes. What about for the Islanders, AB? Yeah. Like, is this going to fix everything for them? I, they, Bo Horvat, to, to Lou Moriello's credit, is probably exactly what they need. Like, we had a look at this team last week. and They can't uh, score goals. They can't score goals. They do everything else the pretty well. atrocious. It's disgusting. It should be illegal. It, they, it's it's are, not good. Going into that game... I haven't looked at it since, but going into the game that they played against Toronto, their net power play percentage was zero. They had only scored three power play goals in the 19 games prior to that game and had allowed three shorthanded goals in that oh, same span. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was that bad. But, but like, is this all it's going to take to get the Islanders to the playoffs? Like, how far back are they even on the That's Canucks? The They're thing. not much worse than the Canucks. Well, so the team is currently, in terms of uh, points, only two points back for a playoff spot. But they've also got three games played more than the next team in, uh, that they're chasing in the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, okay. So I think uh, the, the the math guys went out and did the math, and they're essentially, we'll say, if, if all things equal based off of points percentage, essentially six points back of a playoff spot. So it's not an insurmountable no. you know, feat to get six to you know make up some ground here and get there. But there's a lot of other teams that they're going to be battling, like Florida is going to be battling. Buffalo's a team that, you know, I think that they're a, a good club that's been playing some really good hockey. We talked about Tage Thompson, how... Stellar, he's been. What if they make a big trade? I mean, one of the names that we did uh, that was omitted yesterday as part of the core was Thatcher Demko, who far on Longy said there's been some trade buzz. What if they actually, the Buffalo Sabres, go out and get that goalie in Thatcher Demko? Now you got to battle with them. I mean, I, I don't know if this team, if, if the addition of Bo Horvat makes them a playoff team. I think I checked yesterday, um, and the Money Puck had the playoff odds at something around like. 17% or something like that for the New York Islanders. Uh, let me just double check if it changed. I think 12%. I saw Dom. Yeah, 12% right now are their playoff odds to make it. So that's not good. No. Not good if you're the Ottawa Senators. So if you're Bo Horvat, I, I, what has he got? Like three kids, a wife? He's got a full full family. You moving everybody or are you, you, you saying, you know what, honey? Maybe stay in Vancouver. I don't know what well, the deal is with the Islanders. I might get traded again before the deadline. What are you oh, doing you imagine, if you're Bo? Imagine they flip him ahead of the deadline and get a better return. I know. That, that, that to me is like not, not out, out of the, the picture. It's not out of the cards. Like, he's a pending USA. I said it to you last night, and I was like, can I just run? Um, is this dumb of me to think that this could potentially happen? No, I, I, do, I don't think so. Like, it's definitely a possibility. Like, if, like let's say Bo Horvat comes in, right? It just doesn't work. For whatever reason, uh, that 27% shooting percentage he currently has, or 24%, you know, he doesn't keep on that pace, which I don't think anyone is expecting him to. Yeah. If those goals don't start to drop, and if they, they, he doesn't get integrated into that team right away, and they don't start picking up wins here in the next five weeks leading up to the deadline, I mean, maybe they do look at it and say, actually, we're not going to make the playoffs, and, and perhaps the contract demands that he has isn't quite as Because uh, the ball's appetite. in his court right now, contract well, yeah, like, like, and, and honestly, I would be wants. surprised, very surprised, if, if they let him go. I think he they... 
he kind of has has him in their hands a little bit here because they gave up so much. He, he's got a lot of leverage because they need to bring him back. Because if they let him walk and they don't make the playoffs, no, yeah. I mean that's probably curtains for Lou Lamorello. Yeah, that like, that would be a mess. So they're 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 going to be highly motivated to bring him back and resign him. But to your point, if things go south and they don't end up winning and they don't have themselves close enough into the playoff race by March third, maybe they do look to flip him again and, yeah. and you know get recoup some of those assets that they gave up to uh to to, to bring him in originally yeah i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility just the same thing as like pavilion yeah. like i think pavilion on vancouver potentially could be used as trade fodder True. if they could build his value back up over the next few weeks maybe there's a team that would be willing to to take a flyer on him as a, a middle six scoring winger with some size interesting 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 so uh, the other thing that's interesting about this to me is that the Islanders, I feel like, are a team, and you and I were just talking about this on our on our walk-in, um, that if they do get in, they play a style that is very conducive to the postseason. Not really fast, I would say. And they we did also, under we Barry Trotz. Like, that's the oh, thing, right? that's a good like, point. Now they got Lane Lambert as their good coach. Point. Defensively, they've been very leaky, extremely leaky. So it's been a bit of a different situation this year. Yeah. Um, like I tend to agree with you, they're very fe- a very veteran group, but for some reason they're like, heavy. Look at the they can slow a game down. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But we saw, you know, Toronto just absolutely dummy them. Totally. You know, in in the second third period of that game. Um, I don't think this is a playoff team. I, I really don't don't believe they are. I think there's a bunch of teams that they've got to jump, and and this is a, a home run swing that could end up being a bit of a dud for them. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. We'll um, see what happens. Before we go to the break, I'd like to read this text from a listener because we should all. Can you just prepare some some claps and some claps and snaps, Ooh. some cheering audio? I'm just happy. Well, I didn't say anything exciting yet. It's it, it's. I'm just happy. It's another trade piece off the board. That didn't go to Boston or Tampa. No more Bo Horvat in the Atlantic. Yeah. And for that, that would have been the worst. That would have been the worst. Bo Horvat to Boston. That would have been awful. I would have thrown my pen. But we don't have to do that. No, we don't. All right. Coming up on the other side, we'll chat with the TSN Hockey Insider Darren Drager. Get more behind the scenes of uh, of the deal and and what could be next in the trade market. Marty Baron going to join us at 105 as well. Chat a little bit about the Buffalo Sabres and the goalie situation here in Toronto with him, former NHL goaltender. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tichere. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Now, Back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. I got my peaches out in Georgia. Get out of your vehicle lease ASAP. Over 200,000 customers per month looking to take over your lease. What a relief. Go to leasebusters.com. Welcome back into Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. Leafs practice currently underway at uh, the Ford Performance Center. What do you have to say? I see you're just itching over there to tell yeah. me something. Well, because I know we got drags on the line. And before we get into the meat potatoes of uh, trades and, you know, Breaking down this Bo Horvat thing. I love meat and potatoes. We saw this thing online of some barn in Saskatchewan, Canada, that I want to see if Dregs knows anything about this and if this is the norm in the province of Saskatchewan. So let's bring him in. It's Darren Dreger, TSN hockey insider, once upon a time, Sasky lived Bureau. himself in Saskatchewan for a very long time. What's going on, Dregs? Uh, well, a lot. You know, it's just kind of cruising towards the trade deadline, so 
Lots of tire kicking by many around the National Hockey League. Nothing front burner other than what we saw last night, obviously, with Vancouver and the Islanders. But specific to your question, um, that's typical of small town Saskatchewan. Not the the, the hinge stairs well, that's coming the- down to the ice. I mean that, that that's <laughs> that's unusual. Um, you know, as I went through and scrolled through, it looks like it's Lang, Saskatchewan. I've never been there, but that typical old type of barn, yeah, I mean, that's a staple of small towns, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, the prairies in general. And, you know, the natural ice and, and how grayish it looks and the old <laughs> uh, old school nets and, and all of that. But speaking of that, I, exciting, exciting. Leafs lunch for you guys tomorrow, right? Because uh, uh, Marie-Philippe Poulin is coming in, is she not? She's going to be with Matt Cotts tomorrow, actually. She's oh, joining Matt Cotts. Yeah. We'll be at Scotiabank tomorrow. Yeah, we're down at Scotiabank tomorrow, so she's going to join okay. Matty Cotts. All right. Well, is it still part of the uh, Leafs lunch? And the reason I bring it up is because I did uh, uh, an event with Marie-Philippe Pelin yesterday mm. at oh. the Trinity Bellwoods Outdoor Arena. Nice. Uh, both of us are, are helping out a company called Turo Skate, SK8. This thing is the most magnificent backyard rink ice resurfacing machine I've ever seen. <laughs> like, it, it, it literally is a mini type of, you know, shouldn't say Zamboni because that's the, the name of the builder of the resurfacer. But anyway, she and I were talking, and she said she was on Leaf Lunch. So I just assumed that... Uh, She'd be joining you guys in the studio. Yeah, she was I supposed know. to be here, and then I think we realized yesterday, oh, crap, we're going to be on set uh, oh. on, or in, in, in the rink at Scotiabank, so we had to do a quick pivot, and she's going to join Maddie Cotts right. in studio, I believe. So she's still going to be on the airwaves, so definitely tune in tomorrow to listen to uh, Maddie Cotts and Marie Flew Palan. Definitely uh, going to be a great chat. That makes me nervous. Always. Yeah, me I too. Mean, He's not, he shouldn't be allowed to say her name. No. She is an international hockey star. I was comfortable with you two, but Matt Cause, uh, yeah, that makes me nervous. I'll get Julia to give her to, to give Maddie some notes, and, and I think we should <laughs> we be we should that. be happy with that. Uh, Dregs, we finally had our first domino fall for uh, the trade season. Bo Horvat yeah. to the Islanders, Bavillier, Ratu, and a top twelve protected first pick going back. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, y- your initial thoughts on the deal, on the return? Um, did yeah. they get enough? Like, what did you make of that uh, deal last night? Yeah, I think they got enough. I think it's a fair deal. They got a center, which I think was important to the Vancouver Canucks. Um, you know, I looked at the New York Islanders lineup, and I wonder a little bit how Bull Horvat is going to fit in there, who's kicking over to the wing. Uh, but that's a good problem to have for Lane Lambert and the group of the New York Islanders. You know, this is a huge injection for the Isles because that team has been more or less floundering and really seemed to be struggle with a coaching struggling with a coaching change, and and not because you know it, it was a bad change. Don't get me wrong here; it's just I think. This group is so used to playing the way Barry Cross liked them to play, mm-hmm. you know, very defensive structured game that maybe they don't have the offensive upside that, you know, they, they thought they did. And so Lou Amarillo does what, you know, an experienced GM needs to do. He doesn't wait for the March 3rd trade deadline. He doesn't wait for somebody else to get in the mix. And, and there were teams talking to Vancouver on Bo Horvat, obviously. He pays us what I would consider to be 
uh, an above average price. Who's kidding who? Now, you, you wonder, of course, is Lamoureux or the Islanders going to be able to extend Horvat? That seems likely. You know, and, and Lou wouldn't get into it on the media call last night, really. But that, that's his track record, right? Is He's not a rental GM for the most part. I'm sure that he's engaged in conversations with Newport Sports about an extension with Bo, and it'll be uh, interesting to see whether Horvat wants to do that, whether he sees himself as a long-term fit there, or if he wants to go to the open market. Okay, two things regarding Lou specifically. One, was there classic Lamoriello radio silence ahead of this trade? Uh, and two, <laughs> the, he did this one so early. Is there potential that if this doesn't work out, Dregs, we can yeah. see Horvat move again? Well, there is that potential. Um, you know, that seems unlikely to me, though, right. right? Because of everything that the Islanders, you know, they gave up. And as, as Patrick Galvin, the GM for the Canucks, acknowledged, I mean, essentially you've got three first-round picks here. That's, that's really what Vancouver is getting in return. And they get a look at Ratu. And, you know, let's find out if Pavilier, you know, can, can be the player that it looked like he was going to be when he broke into the National Hockey League. He's going to get that opportunity in Vancouver, but you do have to go through that negotiation. And as I said, I mean, maybe Horvat needs a little bit of time to assess whether or not he thinks that this is a long-term fit for him. Um, I think that there will be an appetite from the New York Islanders to make that the case. But if it if it's a negotiation that drags, and I don't have the information to suggest it will, but if it did, and both sides are a little bit uneasy, and the Islanders fall out of the playoff mix entirely by March 3rd, then I guess, yeah, anything is possible at that stage. Uh, we're chatting with TSN Hockey Insider Darren Dreger. Um, I mean, the, the the price that it took to get Bo Horvat and, and what Vancouver got back, does that tell you anything about maybe what the, the rental market is going to shape up to as, as we approach the trade deadline for, well, you know, other guys? Yeah, it does, Mike, in this sense. Uh, you know, every year... When you're talking about higher-end rentals like Bo Horvat, and, and we may strip the, the label of rental off pretty quickly here, as we just talked about, um, but teams always want a first-round draft pick as part of the return equation. Uh, doesn't mean you always get it. And in, in this year's case, yeah, I mean, most managers who are buying are like, I don't want to give up a first-round pick, especially for a rental. And then inevitably, a first-round pick is included. So I think if you're the St. Louis Blues, uh, who have a couple of pieces in play, you know they're probably now looking at the market and going, okay, well, healthy Ryan O'Reilly, we better get a first-round pick plus and maybe plus on top of that back. And likewise for Tarasenko, if you're the Montreal Canadiens and you have some assets that we know they're going to want to move out when they get healthy again, they're dealing with some, some injury issues in Montreal, um, that bolsters a belief that maybe there's a first-round pick available on some of those pieces as well. So when the first one goes, as it did in return for Bo Horvat, then I think that that juices the market a little bit, especially for the sellers. Uh, last one on, on the Bo Horvat and the Vancouver thing before we can move on here. Um, you know, what's next in Vancouver, you think? I heard Farhan Lalji yesterday on uh, Jay Onright's show mentioning that Demko's name has generated some trade buzz of late. Are you expecting a really busy month ahead for, for Alvin and Rutherford? Like, who are the players that you expect to garner maybe the most interest around the league from there? Well, Demko is curious to me, and, and we always have to caution and qualify, right? Of course, managers 
are willing to talk about pretty much every player, especially when you're a team like the Vancouver Canucks, who admittedly say that they need to go through a retool. However, I look at Thatcher Demko. I look what he did when healthy last year. And as much as it was about a coaching change, it was more about the terrific goaltending of Thatcher Demko in the second half of last season. Now, out of the gate this year, he struggled. Then he got hurt. And goaltending was a big factor in the Vancouver Canucks finally having to make the, the, the change that they made with Bruce Boudreau. Now they're, they're in the, the trading phase of the transition there. Uh, head scratcher for me, unless somebody absolutely throws the moon at you, for Thatcher Demko. It seems premature. And in a Canadian market, well, for any market in the NHL, when you're going through one of the R words, retool, rebuild, renovation, call whatever you will, the tricky part is balance, okay? How do you move out good pieces, transition to a younger team so you're building on futures, but also try and stay competitive throughout that process? That's important. You can't just cut it to the wood in Vancouver. Yeah. It's not that easy. And you've got good pieces like Patterson, Quinn Hughes, and some other young players that, that are good fits. They just signed Kismenko to a two-year bridge contract. That doesn't reek of a teardown by any stretch. So I believe Jim Rutherford, when he said retool, you need good goaltending to stay competitive in that sort of, of transformation. So I think it would have to be just blow the doors out terrific for Patrick Alvin to consider trading Thatcher Demko. I am keeping an eye, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more on insider trading, Ooh. on obviously Brock Besser, because mm. now that Horvat goes out, Besser has term on his contract. That's never easy. But the Vancouver Canucks, even though they've been loath to retain any salary, retain salary in yeah. moving Horvat. Shorter term because he's an expiring deal. Yes, I understand that. But I, I know that the Canucks now are willing to consider every single option. So anybody interested in Brock Besser, and there are teams with, uh, with expressed interest, you know, make your best pitch. If, if Vancouver needs to retain salary, they're open to do that, provided that the return um, kind of looks after having to bite down on another financial bullet. So to That's answer your point. question, long-winded, yeah, Vancouver's going to be busy here. Of course, with our TSN Hockey Insider, Darren Dreger. Okay, so we're calling this the first domino to fall on the trade season, and you know what happens when one falls? A whole row of dominoes afterwards. Is that uh, kind of what's <laughs> happening, Dregs? Do you, do you see this move heating up the trade market in general around the league? Well, it can't hurt, right? Because if, if you're a team um, that is nibbling at a playoff spot, or your team that is battling in a wild card spot, or you just simply want to lock down and you know that you've got some needs. And then you see a team like the Islanders go out and pluck out one of the more coveted forwards in the market, if not the top forward available in the market. I think that that gets your attention as, as a GM. Of course it would. Um, will it spark a free for all? Let's hope not because it's always better for those of us in the business. And we're all included in that uh, to have, things kind of drift right up to the March 3rd trade deadline. You know, that's what that day is all about. Traditionally, what we've seen under a salary cap, though, is that, yeah, you might have some bigger pieces in play, but normally the actual deadline day is about depth moves, mm -hmm. and, and some of the bigger stuff goes, you know, maybe even well in advance, but a week to 10 days in advance. So, you know, what, what might help it again is O'Reilly being hurt. You know, he's going to be out probably another month or so, 
So are teams more cautious to make that move? We're going to see. But, uh, you know, it helps. It definitely helps when uh, you see a piece like Bo Horvat get dealt. Well, I'm curious, as somebody who has to be on the panel for the entire day, like, do you get excited when trades happen early? Or do you selfishly, for content purposes, hope that this stuff all goes down on March 3rd? Yeah, I mean, for content, you want it to hold until March 3rd. Uh, but then what you end up doing, it's it's somewhat similar to free agency. And I remember doing, you know, probably 10, 15 updates on where is Dougie Hamilton going to sign. And, you know, then, it, you know, we identify it's New Jersey. And then it takes another couple, three hours to actually get, you know, what what the deal is and right. and what the, the structure is and, and all of those things. But it does give you a talking point, even though. Anybody watching at home or listening is probably, all right, we get it. You know, Hamilton's going <laughs> yeah. to New Jersey. What else is new? So we don't control that, though. You know, we're just uh, we're there to uh, feed the animals at the zoo. And, uh, you know, on occasion it gets a little bit more difficult. But I'm sure there'll be activity. Yeah. Well, it's nice to come, you know, right in the smack dab of things where it's been a couple of days since a Leaf game. Gives us a lot of content yeah, to talk about today. Yeah, like it. So having it sprinkled in here and there ain't too bad. I, I definitely don't mind that. Um, with Darren Drager, TSN Hockey Insider, what do you think the ideal trade deadline would look like for the Maple Leafs? Uh, well, I think it is adding a forward now. You know, they've got T.J. Brody back healthy. Uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm hesitant in just being that firm because you just don't know, right? Until you, you get to a place like maybe there's a, a, a defenseman that we, we haven't even considered that all of a sudden plops into the lap of, of Kyle Dubas and he's like, all right, well, this is an upgrade. I have to consider it. And we'll take our chances creeping closer to the deadline on, you know, what teams might want to move a forward of or revisit some of the conversations that we've had uh, about a forward. But it does make more sense that a forward is is going to be the the player that the Maple Leafs chase the most. Which player that is? I mean, good luck identifying that because I know as managers and and, and management groups sit in boardrooms, they have whiteboards with you know twenty names, maybe more on them, and they go back and forth, and you know they've just come in a pro scouting meeting, so maybe that list has to be refreshed. But you revisit it on a you know, daily basis, and as you get closer to the trade deadline, on an hourly basis. One thing, though, guys, that I think we we should make clear here, you know, there is this misconception that the Maple Leafs have no money, and Kyle isn't going to have any flexibility to get closer to the trade deadline. Well, we're forgetting about Jake Muzzin, right? I mean, you know, again, Jake is, is going to see the specialist in California, and as Chris Johnson reported on, um, you know, a week or so ago, the likelihood is that he's not coming back. At least he's not coming back this season. Right. So let's not be so quick to say that, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs are tight against the cap. Well, they are, but they do have mechanisms here moving forward to upgrade the team. And I don't doubt that Dubas is going to try and do that. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. And, of course, for our listeners, Jake Muzzin, we're expected to get an update there uh, towards the end of February. So that's coming up. We're with our TSN Hockey Insider, Darren Dreger, right now. And we haven't talked to you, Dreg, since all the activity this weekend with the Leafs. And uh, Austin Matthews being placed on IR with a knee sprain, Matt Murray, yeah. and, and the saga that unfolded on Friday night. Have you kicked around the Leafs? You got any updates on either one of those situations? No, I mean, it's status quo there. And, and, and look, I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs have been pretty transparent 
in acknowledging each player's situation. Maybe they had to be pushed a little bit because this market just goes wild when you've got key figures like Matthews and Murray out of the mix. And, you know, if we drill down on Matt Murray here, I mean, it's pretty obvious why there's a sense of consternation, and that's because of his history, right? Um, But the understanding is, and, and it's been reported, that he did have an ankle issue that they'd hoped would kind of resolve itself, and then it was aggravated in that warm-up leading up to the Ottawa Senators game. And unfortunately, you know, Murray couldn't go, and medical backed that up, said he can't go. He sat on the bench, but as Sheldon Keefe also talked about, you know, had Samsonov got hurt in that game, they would have been in an e-bug situation because that was the state of, of Matt Murray's health. So the priority post-All-Star here is pretty obvious. He needs to let the ankle settle, needs to, to get physically healthy, and then it's going to be up to Curtis Sanford and staff to get him back on track because, you know, this stuff happens. He's unlucky in that sense. He necessarily can't control that. But what he can control is when he's back in the crease, he's got to be as good as he has been at varying points for the Maple Leafs this year. And in Matthew's case, um, that too, it, it, it's believed, was something that was kind of lingering. But they thought that, you know, he thought he'd be able to play through it. And then they, they had the Ranger game, which he completed. And in the knee, my understanding is, it, it, it swole up overnight. And that forced them to go to imaging. You know, went to hospital, got it checked out, and they diagnosed knee sprain and just feel like it's uh, time required to, to settle things down there. So it had sounded when they came out and talked about it like it was a totally new injury, but but it does seem kind of convenient. It didn't seem more like it was lingering from the injury that he had missed a few games previously from. Is that the is that the read that you get more? No, yeah, I, I I can't be sure. I don't believe that it is associated to the previous uh, time missed. I mean, it, it could be, but it's curious, isn't it? They yeah. They, they didn't want to talk about the specifics of, of why he sat out, other than, of course, he had the flu, which, you know, added an extra game to it. Um, but nor did Matthews want to disclose why. So it, it, it could be the same thing, but nobody seems, you know, too worked up about it, um, other than in the official release, they, they also state that it's a minimum of three weeks for Austin Matthews. So... You know, anytime you add the word minimum, you're you're kind of giving yourself a little insurance in right. case that this drifts into a month or more. But I don't have any reason to believe that that's going to be the case at this point. Uh, one more for you, Dregs. I was seeing yesterday that Matty Berniers was uh, oh, he's not going to be joining. This is our gripe uh, of the, the week. All-Star. Well, one of my gripes. Of so the week. N- not to put you on the spot here, Dregs, <laughs> but like, h- how do you think Gary Bettman is going to address? and explain the necessity of having to have every team represent at the All-Star game, and all of a sudden an injury occurs and they don't replace him with someone from that team. Now Chandler yeah. Stevenson is going to play, and now the Kraken has zero people at the All-Star game. I just it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, it's curious. There's no doubt about that because you're right. It's priority for the NHL to have all 32 teams represented. First person I thought of was Jared McCann. You right. know, he's, yeah. he's had a real good offensive role run here for the Seattle Kraken. Now, you know, I don't know that this is specific to McCann, although I, I do think he does have some holiday plans. <laughs> I, I don't know that he was officially asked. I'm going to assume he wasn't. But honestly, guys, that factors into it. It does. And some players 
are willing to say, okay, well, you know what, I, I got a trip to Turks and Caicos, um, and uh, I'll cancel it. Uh, I know that my wife, my girlfriend, whatever, friends, family aren't going to be happy, but it's the all-star. And then there are others who say, no, nah, you know what, I need a break. Mentally, physically, I just need a break. That's something that the NHL has wrestled with forever. It just doesn't add up to me that the league wouldn't take a hard look at the Seattle Kraken to fill that vacancy. And I say that respectful of Chandler Stevenson, who still, for me, is one of the most underrated players in the NHL. So he's deserving, but it does fly against you know, the, the the work of the NHL and making sure all teams are represented. Yeah, I'm just looking. Vince Dunn could be an op- option there. 40, 36 points in 49 games. Burakovsky's yeah. leading the team with 39 points. It's, it's I don't know, it's, that's something that I guarantee you, Bettman probably will have to answer to, and I'll be curious to hear what his, what his answer to that question is going to be. Uh, appreciate it as always, Dregs. We'll catch up again next week. All right, guys. Thank you. All right. There he goes. Darren Dreger, TSN Hockey insider. Like, I, I saw that last night, and I'm just Yesterday, like, just the All-Star game thought... was imploding in front of our eyes because Bo Horvat was traded. He's an All-Star. Right. and he's going to Pacific, so he's still going to be for Team Pacific. Yeah, that, that makes sense, but it's just hilarious. And then but simultaneously... But is he going to wear a Canucks patch or Islanders patch? Oh, Jesus, I don't know. Like, like it's so I mean. unfortunate. What do you do? Do you keep it blank? This was the case with John Scott, too. Too, I think, because I think he was traded from... He was, but it's it, it, the difference there is I he was traded from, I think he was with the Yotes at the time, yeah. and dealt to Montreal, but he was in their minor Minors. league system. It was crazy. So it's like, I don't know, it's a little bit of a different situation there. And, and we all know that the John Scott thing was... It was a meme. Uh, yeah, it was exactly. an original internet meme. Exactly. But, you know, this one, I don't know. It's like if... Gary, how can you come out here and say we need to have every team represented? I don't care. We don't need. To, it's not necessarily having the such best players. Little sense. Like, we why just, are we? And thinking? then you don't have the Kraken, who's the brand new fan base, who still has that. Like, they're passionate. Like you could see in there. I went for a scroll through last yeah. night just to see what their response were was. Were they pissed? And, yeah, they were pissed. There you go. They were like, now I have no interest. And it's like, oh, Gary, that's exactly what you didn't want. You were a growing the franchise. fan base. Like this was people who probably had never given the All Star game a sniff, and they're going to continue to not give the All star game a sniff because they have zero of their players represented like we've always thought it was it was uh, i don't think it's dumb that the nhl needs to play represented i, I get, get it, it completely because it's, we're seeing what happens when a team does it just if you're going to be staunch on it you got to stick to that but to dregs's point maybe we don't maybe we don't know maybe maybe guys had yeah, their vacays booked already single person on the kraken one to do it on the kraken like i'm just looking right now like sure nobody's having an exemplary their season. mascot is going He's very pumped up. He has cool. a Twitter account. <laughs> cool. It's their ridiculous. mascot's going to so be there. Stupid. What's their mascot's name again? Bowie? Bowie. Bowie? Cool. Bowie's going to be there. He's partaking, partaking in the Send game. Send Brandon Tanev. Right. Like, that guy's a fan favorite. League-wide fan favorite. Yeah. Get him to do know. some sort of, you know, photo, photography event. Who could yeah, take the, the funniest picture? Um, Mitch Marner today at practice, though. This is essentially the only practice update I have for you all at this point. But Mitch Marner was... Wearing some very cool Miami Vice-looking white, pink, blue skates at practice today. We'll oh, assume for the pink and blue. yeah for the All Star game in in FLA. So oh, is that what he's wearing them for? I think so. Oh, he's breaking them in and bracky. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Probably a lot of people out there giving them 
giving them the guff on it, though. I'm sure. I would imagine. I'm sure, yeah. yeah I would imagine. That today would be a day to have them mic'd up, just to hear what's going on. Yeah, just to hear the chirps. Um, all right. On the other side, uh, Mark Masters pointed out an interesting trend with, with William Nylander and how he elevates his game with Matthews at the lineup. I want to chat about that a little bit and, and kind of talk about that. And Sheldon Keefe also touched on it. So we have some audio that we can play there. Marty Baron going to join us in the next hour as well. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tesherios and the Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion. Leafs lunch here. Julie Tashiri, Mike DiStefano with you. The Leafs are out on the ice right now at the Ford Performance Center. Mitch Marner rocking some cool all-star game skates. You know what else was uh, the the only notable thing? I think we, just looking at the practice lines today, Joey Anderson. What's jumping off the page? Joey Anderson moved up to the third line. He, he's I, I like working his way back up. I liked what he's brought over the last, you know, I guess he's been, what, three games now in a row? Yep. I, I thought that, uh, I, I think he's played pretty well. Like, I, I think that he's maybe proving, hey, I can actually be a, a bottom end of this roster player. Yeah. You know, he's he's been great in the American League for two years now. And, and I think, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm ready to break through. He's 24, I believe, 24 years old. So it's about time that he figures it out. Right, he he could be an NHL player and be a, a fourth liner. So getting an opportunity on the third line, good for him. Yeah, uh, he got that little promotion to two C in, in Austin Matthews' immediate absence, and it didn't work too well. But he he's always looked good towards the end of the what? Anderson, Holmberg got the promotion. Promotion. Oh, sorry. Yeah, oh. I'm just talking and talking here. Uh, uh, yesterday was not a mandatory practice; it was a optional skills development practice mm-hmm. and William Nylander notably attended he got snaps and claps for all of his hard additional work that he's doing for showing up to an optional and uh, Mark Masters chatted with him a little bit about the way that historically at least Nylander really steps up in Austin Matthews absence and Sheldon Keefe kind of acknowledged this but but mostly explained it in saying yeah but everyone kind of has to elevate because when Austin Matthew is is removed from the roster, it it takes like there's one less guy and and a huge piece of the roster that none of the plays are running through. So Marner, Tavares, Nylander are picking up like a ton more responses. So it makes sense that he, that he has to elevate because he has to be that guy or at least one of those three guys when the guy. Right. Is, is not in the in the lineup. But I mean, to his credit, he he is doing that, right? Like a lot of people could. Yeah, he's doing fall it with short. the guy in the in the lineup, right? Like yeah, people could fall short to those expectations all the time. It's like okay, we're leaning on you now, and it's up to him to go out there and meet those expectations. Yeah. Or he could crumble, and in, in you know, and he hasn't seemed to do that. Um, just looking back, Mark Masters pointed this out to us in the 16 games played. Um, from Nylander without Matthews since the start of the bubble season of 20, uh, 2020, 2021. He's got 21 points in, tw- in 16 games. No, it's bad. So he, he really gets it going when, uh, when, when Matthews out of the lineup and he, he steps up his game, he elevates and he becomes the guy. And, uh, here's exactly what Sheldon Keefe had to say on Nylander stepping up, uh, with, with Austin Matthews out of the lineup. 
Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, of course, you like the recognition that the guys you know need to step up in that regard. You know, I think there's something to be said about the fact that there's more puck available, whether it's on the power play or at even strength or whatever it is. There's more more of the plays will run through you know a smaller group of guys naturally so i think there's something to be said there certainly with will finding ways to consistently produce for us it's been a big reason why we've been able to get the results that we've had question for you tell me with matthews's injury out for minimum three weeks um you know will you look at him he's leading the team in points he's tied with marner right now leading the team in goals would you be shocked if at the end of the year we look at William Nylander and he's the team's MVP? No. Well, maybe I just have a hard time anointing him that. If that's if, even if he is, maybe it's a maybe it's a mental hurdle I have to. So get you're Gary over. Bettman. So why? Well, because he's not. I mean, it was a joke, first of all. It was partly a joke. But I don't even understand Gary the context. Because Gary Bettman didn't, uh, he didn't see the value in what William Nealon is bringing, and he may put Mitch Marner in the All-Star game. That's, oh. all, that's all I meant. Because okay. they chose that. Because like, no, no, it can't be Willie. It's got to be Well, Mitch. listen, that was Despite a little bit Willie of a reach. but having the bid better season. <laughs> so Willie has the better season, leads the team in goals, yeah. leads the team in points. How do you not anoint him as this team's MVP? Like, is he going to, is he going to lead this team in points come April if Matthews April is out, 13th or it's, whatever it's possible. I mean, we're now at what? I think he probably does. I think he probably does. Tomorrow's February 1st. Yeah. Like, this is a long run of consistent hockey at a will. The I regular season ends April 13th or 16th. I looked at it yesterday. It's one of those two days. Something but like that. Like, mid-April. Half months. There is a, there's a strong chance that Willie finishes off the year and, and could be at the top. Yeah. When it comes to, to production for Toronto, and you look at his defensive play, like I looked at it yesterday, he's second in the NHL in takeaways. Has he been your MVP for the Leafs to this point in the yes. season? Yeah. Emphatically, yes. I, I, you know, I think a lot about JT this season, too, interestingly enough, and his consistency and the moments in which he stepped up. So, so maybe I, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm actually not thinking about Marner or Matthews right now. I'm thinking MVP between... 91 or 88. It's interesting. That's interesting. I mean, I think there's there there could be a case to be made for a couple of guys. And now it feels like we're discounting Mitch like, Marner and the crazy point streak that he had, and and the home point streak well, and, about, and his consistency about, as well. About, I mean, this might be a bit more of a stretch, but like Geo stepping up huge when the blue line totally. injuries started to come in. Like that guy stepped up massively. Yep. For this team. You know, like it was only a small stretch, I suppose, but like he deserves some love and recognition. Definitely the defensive MVP for yeah. sure on that blue line. Uh, fun chat. Maybe we can get into it a little bit more uh, throughout the week. But uh, on the other side, Marty Biron is going to join us, former NHLer and uh, Sabres analyst and TSN hockey analyst, goaltender. So we'll get into the goalie chat with him and figure out what's going on in uh, in, in Buffalo because this team's on a tear. Yeah. And I don't know if that trade maybe kicked uh, kicked get some fire under Kevin Adams to maybe. Maybe make a response deal for the Buffalo Sabres. I don't know. We'll find out. Marty Brown will join us next. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tashari. Hour two of Leafs Lunch coming up next.